Must be like the wolf pack, not like six pack. Teamwork. Yes. Hello and welcome to another episode of There's No I In Podcast, a podcast about teams, being in teams, running teams, uh, getting the most out of your teams. Hello everyone, I am Mark Johnson, I am a performance teacher and a performance maker and every week I talk teams with my partner in crime, partner in pod, uh, Sean Gallagher, who is a sports coach. Uh, We work out what we agree on, what we disagree on, and we bring in some interesting people to talk about how they run their teams. Hello, Sean. Hello, Mark. How are you? So I learned something new about you today. Yes, you did. I think I know what you mean. I hope. Uh, I actually learned lots new about you, but one thing I did learn about you, if the the keen-eared among you, is that I've been pronouncing your surname wrong this whole time, and for that I apologise. Uh, I mean, we, we, we've had a discussion about it. It's uh, either or, but yeah, I tend not to pronounce the the second G. Welcome for-, for the first time on this podcast, Sean Gallagher. Nice to meet you. Great to be here. We do peel back some layers today, though. I know there are mountains of onions in this uh, in this episode, guys. So if you're a keen onion peeler, you'll like this one. Uh, what we're hinting at is today we have an incredible... Uh, guest with us, uh, a lady called Joe Keeler, who is the managing partner of uh, an organization called Belbin. Uh, some people who work in teams might be familiar with the Belbin team roles. The characteristics and behaviors that we carry with us that define uh, how we work with each other in teams. Well, we invited Joe on uh, today to talk about what Belbin do uh, and how those team roles can be applied, but we also went ahead and took the tests ourselves. <laughs> we did indeed. We did indeed. So Sean and I have done uh, an assessment on how we work together as a team. Uh, and we got feedback from our colleagues and co-workers elsewhere. And we will be talking about what kind of a team player we are. And there was some, there was some surprising stuff in there. Yeah, it's it's interesting how you see yourself or perceive your yourself within a team and then what others do. So I think it's only beneficial uh, for people to take an assessment like this. Um, but yeah, really intriguing, interesting stuff. And hopefully people may get a few laughs um, from this episode because uh, Joe was great, um, really jovial, great character, but also came with lots of really interesting Uh, kind of knowledge um, and practical examples as to how you could use this kind of Belbin model um, in your kind of workplace. Yeah, hopefully you'll walk away thinking this is something I've got to check out. And uh, in a brilliant way, Joe has offered a discount code for the Belbin assessment that we took. So stay tuned to the end for that as well. Um, With that, let's jump straight into our chat with Joe Keeler from Belbin. So uh, I am extremely excited and I'll be honest, a little bit nervous to introduce onto today's podcast, uh, Joe Keeler. Joe is the managing partner of uh, an organization called Belbin, who look at different 
team roles that you can hold within within uh, the groups that you're working with uh, that came out really chewy so joe perhaps you could introduce yourself and the idea of it a little a little better than i did <laughs> i don't know i think you did quite well um no absolutely um so what is Belbin? Um, well, I've been with Belbin for 19 years, so I suppose I should be able to answer that question. Um, if I don't, I think I'm going to sack myself. But what Belbin is really, it gives everybody in the workplace a language that everybody understands to be able to talk about your strengths and your weaknesses. In a nutshell, that's what it is really. But it's not a case of, are you brilliant at maths? It's not that kind of strength, although that would always be useful. Um, it's talking about the way that we behave, the way that we interact with other people, the way that we interact and approach our work. So we call this behavior. And what we're there to do is to give a name to these different types of behavior, because we know for teams to be really successful, there are nine different clusters of behavior that are needed. What you're alluding to there, Mark, these nine team roles um, that are needed at some point for the team to work. Sure. And they, uh, they have been developed over quite a long period of time, as I understand it. They are thoroughly scientifically backed as well. <laughs> Oh, thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly. So it all started back in the 1960s. Um, it was quite interesting, actually. It was Henley Management College, as was. It's now Henley Business School. And they were the first uh, college to introduce syndicate working because they had a lot of managers from all over the country and um, would go over and abroad, actually. And it's like a precursor to an MBA. And they decided that the best way of learning was to learn from one another as opposed to being lectured to. And I know this all just sounds really logical now, but back then, um, lecturing was, was the main form of education. And they realised that they had these really brilliant managers together. And sometimes these syndicates were just fabulous, and sometimes they were absolutely appalling. And they didn't understand why. They thought, we've got some really bright, able people here. Why are some so bad? So they got Dr Meredith Belbin and his team... Um, and I could be a little bit cheeky here because actually his boss was his wife. He was Dr. Eunice Belbin. You know what they say, behind every great man. Um, and they went down over a period of nine years, every time these syndicates were together, and they analysed the heck out of them to try and work out why some of these teams worked and why some didn't. And they came up with loads of hypotheses, um, and they eventually got to these nine different clusters of behaviour, these nine team roles which were needed. I will just say at this point, it's quite useful to know that one of the first experiments they did is they put all the really, really bright and intellectually able people together. Because they said, obviously, if you put all the bright people together, it's going to be really successful. Um, and luckily, it, um, they failed dismally. <laughs> because there was just too much of the ego. There was too much of the my ideas better. There was too much battle within to try and prove that you knew more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was quite, I think, reassuring. Just like me and Sean. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Although well, looking at your reports, I could tell you, no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get, we'll get Later. there. And that is, why, that is why I said I was nervous because in preparation for chatting to Joe, Sean and I have taken uh, the self-assessment and also, and this... Um, this was interesting because I wasn't expecting this. Uh, the assessment itself it involves all of the questions that 
as a coach and as a manager, I've experienced this kind of self-assessment questions where you're trying to work it out. But then you get dropped with this and now send it to four people you collaborate with and let them tell you what you're like. And that bit, that bit feels like a bit of a game changer for me. Well, it is. I think that's where you have to be really brave really because do you know we fill in these questionnaires and we've all done you do them in cosmopolitan if or yeah. you know we can do it how many a's how many b's and it's never a shock is it the result because you're the one who's answered it yeah you know exactly we, we like we know the answers because we're coming up with no, absolutely you know if you say you like parties then suddenly a report comes back and says do you know you're quite exactly. a party animal yeah. you know there's no no way really <laughs> yeah. you know what a surprise <laughs> that's not particularly useful um it's interesting but less useful yeah. and Belbin measure doesn't Belbin doesn't measure who you are. That's for other psychometric tools, you know, that delve mm. deep into you know what makes you you. All we're measuring is what do we do? How does that manifest itself when you're at work? Right. And the best people to check to see if you know what your strengths and weaknesses yeah. are at work are those people you work with. So that's where that observed yeah. assessment comes in. Definitely. Uh, and so I yeah, I'll say I'll say now, Sean. Uh, was one of the colleagues I sent mine to. Uh, so somewhere in this wealth of information is exactly what you think of me, Sean. No, exactly, and vice versa. I mean, Joe, in terms of sort of growth mindset, we talk about growth mindset quite a lot. Does does kind of putting yourself forward for this t- type of assessment and then obviously having observers uh, do, do the assessment as well, is, is that putting yourself in, into a growth mindset to begin with? Because you're exposing yourself to potential uh, critique, um, but in the hope of self-improvement. Absolutely. This is all about that growth mindset saying, do you know, I could just be who I am and never ask for feedback from anybody ever. Mm. But how, how useful is that? I mean, there's certain presidents of certain countries who have said they never want to have any feedback and that's fine, but they're only ever (laughs) going to therefore be in one particular vein. If we want to, it's not about necessarily self-improvement, but it's just understanding, isn't it? It's understanding and understanding Mm. the effect we have on others. Um, All of this is really useful stuff. And the more we can find out, the more we can grow, but also the more we can probably enjoy our work. And that I think was a was was key for me is there was um and what the feedback from others offered is yes, if I answer these questions and the questions are what do you do? I'm gonna say the stuff that I do and probably doing because I like doing it. Uh and I also having someone else look at it and say, Well, actually you do this as well is a really interesting way of going who put who put me in that position did I make myself do something that is not fun or am I am I finding myself in these roles because we're lacking someone who loves doing that and that's interesting in terms of what do I now do with this info like what do I what do what does Sean (laughs) who does Sean and I need to hire (laughs) Uh, yeah there's no budget guys. for free volunteer, volunteer only please uh in order to make the most and make the best out of this this new knowledge i have about or this new perspective i won't even call it knowledge i'll call it like an, a new lens i have on how people see me operating like what do i what does an organization do with that info they can do so much with it can't they? i mean mm. what, it's it's like you've just said there can it inform a recruitment decision 
can it say like these are the people that we have you've got you two guys working there maybe you wanted a third to join you did you want another creative sort of outgoing sort of plant resource investigator or perhaps would somebody with a little bit more detail orientation who was a bit more conservative with a small c a little bit more um discerning would that be a useful person to bring in the mix it just helps you inform and that's how a lot of organizations use it because one thing that people do do is they clone yeah mm. um we like working with people who are like us yeah which is great to a point because if you're all in the same sort of mindset the same behaviors you're going to really enjoy it because you get where the other person is coming from etc but you're actually most productive <laughs> with people who aren't like you. Yeah. So it's learning first stop recruiting people in the same image and trying to get that mixture. And actually you may find productivity goes up. You may not enjoy it as much, let's be honest, um, but your productivity would definitely go up. So, yeah. so Joe, does that, we, we touched on that kind of values and behaviors. And I think Mark might kind of go into a little bit more detail, but just, just on that point in terms of clones, does that then mean that we need to have the same behaviors within within kind of a, a team rather than those values that, that we spoke about? Because there you've just said we could all have the same values, but we may not be the most efficient team. Whereas if we have the right behaviors for that team, then we would be an efficient kind of happy team, so to speak. Oh, that's such a big subject, isn't it? Mm. When it comes with values. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, I always think that actually it's both. I think it's difficult. I think you need to have underlying values and you need to have differing behaviours as well. So you could have exactly what you said. You could have a team who are all, yeah, all have exactly the same values, but they won't be very effective. You could have people which are completely a lovely mix of all these nine different team or behaviors in a team, mm. but unless they share the same values, they're not going to be effective. So you kind of need, you kind of need both. You can sometimes look at this um, with football because this was years ago now. I haven't had a chance to follow football for many years because I've now got three teenage daughters and it's all just going horribly wrong. <laughs> but I used to support Ipswich for my, for my sins because I'm a Suffolk lass. And I used to be quite, you know, interested in, in football. And there was a time when Manchester City suddenly had lots of money, didn't they? Just overnight, they had all this money and they just bought all of these players and they were fabulous players. Yeah. But it took them about two or three seasons to actually do anything. And people are saying, well, why is it, you know, you have got the best people in your squad. Mm. Why aren't you performing? Whereas you had Manchester United at the time who were just flying and they had a youth squad, you know, you had a youth team. And you realise it was because actually they hadn't yet all got those same values of that particular club. So they yeah. were still all very individuals playing. They weren't playing together for the same reasons. Definitely. Thank, thank you, Joe, for bringing a football analogy to uh, to it without me having to. So appreciate that. <laughs> this wasn't pre-planned, guys, I promise. Um, no, that is a really, really good way of putting it. Um, and, that, and that's exactly what happened. So that, that really helps me in my mind to understand that kind of values and behaviours um, that we've just described. So, yeah, great way, great way of putting it, Joe. <laughs> yeah. I think there's, there's also... Uh, because if you look at these reports and I haven't yet built up the confidence to say uh, I'm going to let everyone see mine. But um, 
what I will do is I'll link to uh, I'll link to Bourbon's website about where they describe the roles, so that you can see what we're talking about when we're talking about a plant or a or a, a team worker or a completer finisher. They are fairly self-explanatory, but there's some there's some interesting details about it. That what the report offers is a is a graph of all of those rather than the kind of cosmo mostly a's you're you're a person who needs to finish the job so i have this i have this landscape of the degree to which i fit into these roles uh and sean has a landscape that is not dissimilar and not the same but it's almost and i was looking at them both it's almost as if where my uh graph goes upwards in one direction sean's graph goes upwards in the other direction there is a point where we meet and we overlap a bit and it made me think of like a process or a project being like tarzan and swinging through the trees there's that point at which the handoff from one tree to the other happens and so i kind of need to be my main one but i also need to know how to hand it off to the person who is the the next part of the process because it does there is something interesting and you can tell me whether this is pertinent but there is something interesting about how the roles fit you almost into a point in a project process that there are roles that are more suited to the beginning or more suited to the end or more suited to the meet in the middle. And I found that quite interesting too. Do you know, that's really interesting you brought that up because otherwise, actually, if you just say, right, these are my team roles and these are my strengths and we can play all of these nine. It's not an either or, you know, we've got little bits of all of them that we can play. If you just simply find out what they are and you go, I've done it now, you're really not going to be using it well. So not all of those nine team roles are needed at all times. And I'm going to come up with another football analogy in a minute. Yes. But um, what they are needed <laughs> is you've got to work out what the work is that's required and to match the right behaviours with the right type of work. So if you had a project, for example, the beginning is always that creative, let's get some ideas going. So at this point, you want people who we would call plant or resource investigator. And at that point, you don't want somebody saying that won't work. You don't want somebody saying, yeah, but have you thought of the detail? You don't want anybody else like that. You just want that free flow. Collection of Collection, absolutely. Get it all going. At this point, you then need somebody who said, right, stop now. (laughs) What we're going to do is evaluate which is the best idea to go forward. Mm. So there you want the monitor evaluator. Now, once you've decided on the best idea to go forward, you're looking at somebody who's going to do the work because, you know, they're always quite useful. <laughs> you're looking at somebody who's got high implementer, which I think, Sean, I think you're quite a high. Yeah. Um, so you want somebody who's quite high implementer, who can plan and organise the work. You need somebody who's high coordinator, somebody who can organise the people. And then it starts getting towards the end of the project. So then you need the person who's got the detail, the completer finisher, yeah. right at the end. But what you want to make sure is that those who are bringing in that plant and resource investigator behavior, they don't come in at the end and go, well, actually, I've got a better idea. And we've all been there when that's happened. And you're like, no, 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 no. This is not the time for you to contribute in that particular behavior. (laughs) Take those hats off. They would never finish. They would, the project would never end because there would always be a next, a next, but maybe we could do this. (laughs) It would never get handed in. Yeah. (laughs) Mark, I don't know if that's been levelled at you at all, been, but perhaps been, you know you've been, been there, quite maybe. creative. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I feel a bit guilty looking at the reports. Oh, <laughs> no. Joe, I was going to say, um, is is there 
you know, as the audience might be thinking, okay, what kind of companies may use this effectively or have done? And, you know, you look at your big companies like Apple and or maybe big car companies, Toyota, etc. Um, I think two parts to my question. Firstly, do you feel as though a lot of companies are using a model like this and it's quite a normal thing for them to think about? Or is it still quite way off of their thinking? I think that's part one. And then secondly, is there any examples of companies that use these types of team roles really effectively that we would know kind of in the general public? Yeah, I mean, it's wonderful that we've been around for so long. And because this was quite groundbreaking, we had the very good fortune um, of the theory being taught on most business schools. So most MBA courses, business modules, et cetera. So the language of Belbin got out there really, really quickly. And what then happened is that then went back into organizations. So we're really lucky that you could probably name a company and they will be using it to some degree. I will say some companies use it better than others. So some will just talk about it and look at the theory, whereas others use it really well and like we just talked about those different project plans and make sure they've got the right people in at the right time so toyota that, that you know they they, they use us um big com- car companies um alibaba over in china um so we've got distributors wow. all around the okay. world um use us uh, most i'm trying to think the un as part of their staff college in turin they use Melbourne a lot of the time a lot of oil and gas um, companies um so yeah we are used in the, a lot of companies, big and small. So it's wherever people are interacting with others, it becomes particularly useful. Um, but I will say some use it better, better than others. I can imagine, and some people are using it without without strictly knowing that they're using Belbin because from like my introduction to it, and it's not, uh, I've not come from a business environment at all so the the language of even the language of hr is not really in my vocabulary uh you're a lucky man (laughs) (laughs) um but even then i had a a sense and an understanding of uh roles within teams that i think is grounded in this foundational work that it feels like it was uh as far as i can tell the the dictionary ultimately upon which a lot of uh, team-based psychology uh, or practice is, is built, which is, which is, I guess it means a lot of people are using it without, you know, paying for them. Because there are, the, you know, there is a book out there that talks about the psychology behind this. There is, you know, you, you make it super clear on the website what the roles are. And people, I can imagine, can go through a, self-evaluative process without doing an assessment where they walk away with a cursory like you were saying the if you're doing it for yourself oh yeah i'm definitely one of these or maybe i've got a little bit of that because the information is out there is part of what you do supporting organizations to to implement it well absolutely i suppose that's 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 part of my role Mm. here here at, at belbin is to it's got to be useful, hasn't it? I think yeah. the, the one reason that Belbin's still around and it's still used um, so much is because it is common sense, isn't it? I mean, it's not rocket science. Let's all just say that. It's not. It all, it resonates. You don't have to think, oh my goodness, I don't get this. It's quite self-explanatory. Mm. But it's what you're talking about right at the very beginning, Sean, is the fact that actually you want that growth mindset. Mm. We don't just want to say who I think, you know, how I think I behave right now and then that's it. 
yeah. forever. Yeah. It is trying to convince people to say, look, this is, and I hate the phrase, this is a journey. Um, yeah. But it kind of <laughs> is. I hate that phrase. Can we edit that? Really? No. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I just said it on my X Factor. Um, but it, it is that kind of thing, isn't it? It is. Um, why are people doing it? And if you're going to be really effective in a team, you need to get that feedback from others. Um, you need to understand as well how we change depending on who we're speaking yeah. to. Yeah. So one of the questions would be when you get your report, who are the people you ask? to feedback what's your relationship with them that, that did occur to me because yeah. i i looked at the results that i got and i work with sean in a very different context in a couple of different contexts and in a very different context than i work with the two other ladies that i asked for feedback mm-hmm. where their their answers seemed to tie up a little bit more than with each other's than they did with sean's but at the same time they were all pretty safe. Like they were all, they were all me going, I'm not going to get character assassinated by any of these. And actually, if I was to send this to my line manager at my day job, which I, I sent the report to them ultimately, but if I was going to send the feedback, that's, that feels like an existential crisis or a, a crisis of safety in terms of job security or whatever. I think that in order for, to, for organizations to, implement it there has to be a, an, a readiness for change I guess and for me as someone who you know gets paid to do a job and hopes that they're doing it well to be this open I think Sean was men- like mentioned earlier to be this kind of open feels a little bit risky sometimes do people experience it as that it's really interesting. So here's some HR speak for you. It's very much dependent on what we call the psychological safety within a team, the trust within a team. Why are you doing it? Are you going to be, is there going to be a negative consequence to this happening? And in fact, it was Google. They had a, um, a study, um, which they call it, they called it the Aristotle study because they wanted to understand why some of their teams worked brilliantly and why, again, some of them didn't. So very similar. And they came up with some quite similar observations. But the key thing they said was whether or not people trusted one another. And if you haven't got that trust within a team, within an organization, it is going to be less effective. So we find that some companies have a high level of trust in psychological safety. And so they'll send their observer assessments, the things that we call, you know, which um, that this feedback, you know, left, right and centre, because they're really intrigued and they know that there isn't any fear because they know there isn't a wrong answer. Everybody's all up for this growth factor, whereas others have said, right, we're not doing that bit. We're just going to do how we see ourselves. And you probe a bit further and you think, oh, there's some real issues going on here. That makes a lot of sense. I think, I think I'm probably, and again, maybe sometimes me and Mark would like to think we work well together on this podcast. I mean, it's episode 13, I think. So, we, you know, we've not, we've not uh, killed each other just this yet. This is the unluckiest um, number, though. So this could be the final This could be it. We could be opening up some wounds. Um, but... But the point is to me is that I saw it very differently to Mark in the sense of um, in this in the sense that I sent it to people who I feel as though do know me and have worked with me to a level where they could even see yeah. some of my roles. 
because sometimes if we're talking about line managers or people of you know in senior management that yes they they kind of are in charge of you to an extent but do they actually see you kind of in the coal face? Yeah. Do they see you on a day-to-day? What's their stake? Have they worked on a project with you? Yeah, what's their stake? So I was quite comfortable as to who I sent it to, even though, yes, I do get on with those people. It was more a case of I felt as though they would have seen me in different lights in different situations and so therefore would give me a good gauge on what my assessment would come back as, whereas I could have sent it to other people that I work with or even I manage, but I'm not sure if there would have been as much interaction with those people. And maybe that's something that I need to look at. But I I didn't feel as worried about what would come back because I thought they would they would have a good gauge on me. If that Sean makes sense. just said something there and I wanna I wanna get your response on it, Joe. Um he he brought up uh, getting feedback downwards if you know in, in the hierarchy from people that you manage. Is is that encouraged? Because I like for some reason I literally only considered sending it to peers or above which I don't I don't know what that means <laughs> don't worry I'm, I'm not you don't give us so worried Mark don't don't it's not it's not like that at all I can put ominous music underneath <laughs> um, <laughs> wonderful. do you know it, it depends what you want to get out of it yeah so I'm gonna put it straight back at you so if you wanted to know how you are managing others you would choose more people who yeah you're the manager of if you wanted to find out more mm. about how those that manage you see you, how are you coming across to them? What do they value? You'd ask them. If you were just doing something because you needed to really understand the contribution the rest of your team want you to make, you'd ask them. Now, you could do one from each. Um, what tends yeah. to happen is people, though, do see differences. I'll give you an example. As um, one of the partners here, Nigel Belbin, who is um, Meredith Belbin's son, and, well, for many years before I was a partner, is, you know, he's my boss. And I got him to, to fill this in and he saw me as caring and understanding. I listened. He had me high coordinator, high team worker. And my shaper, which is that very direct, come on, let's get it done, was really low. Didn't see it at all. But I managed the office and the team here. And they don't see any of my teamwork or niceness. Yeah. They just see <laughs> they me shouting. Only see okay? the they yeah. just see the shaper. Yeah. And that was really interesting. I thought, why is there that difference? Mm. And at the time, I thought, it's because Nigel pays my wages. Yeah. You know, yeah, I yeah. also yeah. want to ingratiate myself with the person who's in charge. Yeah. I want to Where make sure are they that looking I am... from? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that is the key thing. So, um, it's really important that you understand why you're doing it. And I think choosing your observers is really interesting because if you ask somebody to feed back on you who you don't necessarily trust, the yeah. second they say something you don't agree with, you'll just discard it. Yeah. I always say it's, it's yeah. like when you're going shopping for clothes. Who do you really want to give feedback when you've just put a new suit on or a new item of clothing on and you've come out of the changing room? Do you want the shop assistant? No, because they're just going to say, yes, you look fabulous, madam. You know, you, do you want your mum? Oh, she might be a bit too critical, actually, because she always is. Maybe <laughs> this is just my reflection of my, my relationships. Um, or do you want your good mates who are going to see you in that item of clothing a lot? You know, that's who you want, isn't it? And it's the same as when you're looking at it from a work place. Where does a partner sit in there, Joe? Doesn't. Never. <laughs> never. <laughs> My Don't embarrassing, uh, my embarrassing instant reaction to that was: I want the uh, the shop assistant who I fancy a little bit to come and tell me that I look nice. That's, that's it. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's so sweet. 
before we get on to the the crunch time uh, of having a look at our own assessments, um, Sean and I both work in a sit form college, and that the college values massively uh, what we describe as a, a coaching culture. The idea of uh, reflective practice amongst students in how they manage their own learning and how they manage their development through college. And this strikes me as something that may have a an application within education. Um, I was wondering how accessible you think it would be to, well, we work with, with post-16 mostly, but to uh, students of different ages in how they start to understand what they like doing and that values conversation and how they how they're working with each other and for us that empathy conversation as well mm. do you know it's, it's it's really interesting you said that because for many years people said if only you had a version that my kids could use mm. yeah so we actually developed one because when you fill in the questionnaire um that you did it's very work-based yeah. and to ask somebody without work experience to fill it in it would you're not going to get the best so we've actually adapted it for people from the age of about 15 upwards and what we've done is instead of it being a report that just tells you stuff and allows you to go ahead and sort of away and digest it we made it into more of a workbook yeah so it's more about the language of do you know we don't want to box you in you can be all of these nine different different roles but all of these behaviors are going to be really important in the workplace where do you feel that you fit now what do your friends say not your mum where do your friends say? Because they yeah. all say, oh, you're just lovely, <laughs> darling. Um, find out that and just have it as self-reflection. And we've yeah. got areas where people can start to write their UCAS forms yeah. or how they'd come across an interview. And it starts giving younger people a feeling that actually I'm more than just my exam results. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, absolutely. What else can I bring? What else am I bringing to the party? Well, actually... I did this Belbin thing and it says, and my friends agree with me, that I'm really good at organising work. Yeah. If you give me what I'm really yeah. hardworking, I'm dedicated, and I've got that practical mindset mm. that means that it's not all just going to stay as a conversation. I'm really good at getting down to the procedure and getting it done. Now, that's a lovely way of I, saying something when you're in front of others. Yeah. No, I was just going to say that I would probably see like a, a really critical point of doing something like, like the sort of Belbin test um, uh, assessment, sorry, is around that kind of year 11 choices. Mm. So, you know, am I going to go and take BTEC or am I going to go and do A-level? Because there is quite a big difference in, in, in who you are. In I think if you take a BTEC or if you take an A-level, yes. yeah. Yes. How, how they're delivered, how they're assessed. I was never an exams person. I hated exams, but I would... I would put a lot of work into coursework and I would get that done and I would ask for feedback and I'd change it and I'd improve it because I had to because it wasn't good to begin with and we'd get to a stage where it was uh you know eligible uh, but <laughs> but so, some people want to have those different highlighter pens and spend lots and lots of time highlighting things getting it into their brains and then smashing yeah. an exam at that critical point so I don't think students are maybe looking at who they are enough or have the tools mm-hmm. to look at themselves as who they are enough to decide at that critical stage what kind of qualification they want and to take. And have the tools to validate their mm-hmm. how how they think or how they learn or how they work exactly in yeah. a in a formal and positive way because 
like even even with the even with the adult version of the assessment i was i was waiting for you to tell me my weaknesses and yeah. <laughs> there's a you know and and that's the flip side of be, being told that oh you're you're you think in this way we're waiting for the and you're rubbish in this and the framing of the uh, as as the assessment calls them allowable weaknesses mm, like they are allowed they it's it's a case of like why there's not really any reason why you need to be good at these things while you're being good at the other thing yeah and share it sharing roles becomes really crucial no it does i think there's a there's a lot there it's um each of these behaviours, if you're going to be brilliant at something, something's going to have to give. Mm. And that's why we call them allowable weaknesses. If you are the most creative, imaginative, eccentric, brilliant problem solver that there is, if you're a really high plant, do you know you're not always going to be able yeah. to communicate brilliantly because it's all up here, it's all in your head. Yeah. And that's allowed. Mm. And I think sometimes with education is that we expect everybody to be brilliant at everything. And they expect it as well. And A lot of the young people it. we meet too. They do. That no, they do, and it's hard, and it does give them a language to say, "This is where I'm brilliant, but I don't have to be brilliant here." Yeah, rather um, than, and yeah. I don't understand why I'm not brilliant elsewhere. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the thing is, I remember, you know, I, I started in the pharmaceutical industry before I came here. I, I always used to joke and say I used to sell drugs, but I did legally, <laughs> and it was fine. And I did that for six years. When you work in the pharmaceutical industry, um, at the time, that was many many years ago now um you were sent on loads of different training courses because they wanted to train and develop you and you went on i think one every two months yeah and they always put you on the training courses where um it'd been highlighted that you were pretty rubbish at something so you'd go and spend all this time away from home i mean it was great because i was young at the time and it was a free bar but you'd go <laughs> on these training courses you'd be slightly less crap than you were to start with but you were never going to be yeah. brilliant because they're trying to make you um, develop weaknesses into strengths. Well, there is an element you can do a bit about that, but surely the time better spent would be trying to strengthen your strengths yeah. and be even better at what you're already yeah. good at. And find someone else who you get on Absolutely. with who can, who can do the join your gang. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Joe, if we take a practical, like a, a practical look at this in terms of the podcast, you know, I don't have a clue on editing any of what we're talking about right now and putting it out there to the world. So without Mark, we, would, we wouldn't have a podcast. But in the same token, without my charm and wit and charisma, <laughs> we'd, be, we'd have half of that on the podcast. So well, I, you know, can that's I can frame why... that a little more positively, actually, Sean. Um, <laughs> so we've, chat we've chatted in our office for the last two years around this topic of teamwork. And yeah, maybe once every half term, we'll go, it should be a podcast. And if yeah. it was left to me, we'd still be having those conversations in our office. Yes, that it would. was Sean going, well, all right, then let's do it. What do we need? Mm -hmm. And putting me on the spot and saying, you know, what skills, what tools, you know, come up with a good idea that that put it in place. So, yeah, I'd edit whatever, but it wouldn't exist at all if someone hadn't solidified the wafty idea in mm. some fashion. And that seems like a reasonable moment to look at the 
the highly colourful bits of paper in front of me that I'm... <laughs> yeah, before it becomes a loving joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah let's, let, let's turn it to hate. Let's get it going. Let's make it interesting. So what, 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 what are we? How do I read this? Help me, Joe. Help me. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Mark, I'm going to start with you, okay? So um, you see yourself and other people also see you as this creative plant. Mm. That You know, the one who, when they're doing the research at Henley, they had to plant a creative person into each of the teams. Otherwise, it wouldn't function. That's why it's called plants. It's got nothing to do with greenery or anything. So you're the ideas, but your ideas are original. You're good at problem solving. Um, you also have strengths in the other creative role, which is a resource investigator. Mm. And again, they have wonderful ideas, but they steal them. They're more the Dell boy of the ideas. They'll go, oh, look what somebody's doing over there. Let me bring that in. And do you know, I know somebody who else so I can. So you're always out, you know, people networking, etc. So you're quite a social thinker. We're, okay? uh, this is this. I've, I'm feeling seen. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Um, whereas, and I'm just going to talk, but what, what you're not, can mm. I talk about what you're definitely Please. not? Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. You don't have um, what we call the implementer role, which is yeah. that of being particularly organized, structured, practical. Yeah. Um, you also don't seem to have any of the complete finisher role, again, which is that attention to detail and getting everything absolutely mm. spot on correct. So you need to work with somebody who potentially has those strengths. Um, now, Sean has a few of those. Oh. So, Sean also has, um, well, his, this is interesting. Sean, the people you ask to observe, you think that you're also quite a high resource investigator. They, they see that you actually do know a lot of people and you're good at turning over stones to see what opportunities are there. Joe, you've described it as Del Boy, so <laughs> let's just move on from that one. Because it... <laughs> I don't know. I should use a different example, shouldn't oh, I? Oh, no. Um, it was perfect. Oh, no, was no, no that, that was the one. That was okay. That was the one. You don't necessarily see as much of that in yourself, but other people see that. But what you have got um, is a great deal of drive. Um, you like to get to be as quickly as possible. You can be quite challenging to make that happen. You're like the energy, so you've got that high shaper as well that's coming through. So with that, and again, you have the implementer role. You're quite organized. You're like, okay, Mark, you know, it's all very interesting, but what are we actually going to do with this? Um, yep. So from that point of view, you've got great amount of, you do complement um, each other well, and you also have more of a degree of detail, Sean. So you're not going to, there's not going to be, if you're in charge, I don't know how the in charge bit goes, but you're, there's not going to be any typos. There's not going to be any mistakes in the editing. It's going to be pretty high professional standards when you're involved. That's so interesting. So the way that we currently, like, no, there's not a boss, but what I end up doing is sending Sean what I've edited and then he gives me a list of places where I've missed that something got perfect, got cut out or you know two people i think i think that's a i think that's more of the my kind of pessimistic negative outlook on things because i'm looking for mistakes so i my ear yeah. tends to find but that's them. what the computer yeah, but i'm does. not but i'm not looking yeah. for them exactly i don't proofread i tell you what's really interesting is a lot of people say yeah but everybody does that that's just me looking for negatives that's just, no not everybody <laughs> does look like that at all um, the fact yeah. that you have got your ear attuned to making mistakes is absolutely fabulous. That's not you being negative. It's you being a strong, complete finisher. Mm -hmm. And perhaps just knowing that Mark makes a lot of mistakes in the first place. 
<laughs> so I'm Rodney. But 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 <laughs> yeah, but his mistake has come from a really really cool creative idea that I've just had to go. Hang on a second. <laughs> just remember, these cool creative ideas don't get anywhere yeah. unless there's somebody prepared to. I've had apply I've had better ideas than this, Sean, that don't exist right now. Yeah, uh, I find yeah. the. Um, I've just, and this is a reflection on how I have been working. I had a conversation with my manager about how I, I tend to find myself having to operate in in kind of crisis crunch time in order to get things done, and like that, like the, the picture couldn't be painted any clearer. That if I if I ha don't have the organization I have to have that organization forced upon me in order for it to be me that does that yeah. uh, not going to come about it yourself no crunch time yeah. has to happen yeah um, and actually I should get into a point of ha handing something off or being in an environment where I can hand that off to the person who does that well um, mm -hmm. absolutely are there do, do people do grand restructurings after this have you have you experienced that yeah, a few companies have um, said, right, hang on, let's just put everybody back into the melting pot yeah. and let's start again. Um, we've had people really look at the way in which they have projects. Um, so there's one company I worked with personally, actually, I thought they were fabulous. They're an advertising company. Um, they were really, really creative and just so cool. I just go into their offices and go, I want to work for you. <laughs> and, you know, some places give you that vibe, don't they? But they restructured the way they ran projects because they'd have one person who was always part of everything. And they realized that if they released that person to work on different projects simultaneously, depending on their creative input. Um, so what they basically did was That's, said to the plant yeah. behaviors, just go away create then go to the next project create so they had these simultaneous projects working as opposed to being you know kind one after job the other. description and being in charge of the yeah. entire process yeah. of your that's really interesting they changed it but just go back your reports because i yeah. feel that you you've over you know you've <laughs> we've run away from it of, don't want to talk about that anymore <laughs> i would just say um that looking a little bit in more depth is what is wonderful about both of your reports is that when you ask people to feedback, they have to tick some words mm. and they tick words. Obviously, you did it on each other, yeah. so you know what it looks like. And the list A words are the real positives and the list B words are those that go to the allowable weaknesses. Now, sometimes people become a certain team because everybody's just ticked all of the weaknesses. <laughs> which obviously isn't very good. You need to have the corresponding strengths. Yeah. And both of you, all of your observers have actually given you a lot of strengths and only a little bit of the weaknesses for each team role, which shows that you are a good example. You're playing that particular behavior well, um, which is just fantastic. But you'd expect to see some weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, is that if you find that you've had feedback from other people and they've all just said nice things, well, one, you probably paid them, but two, you know... Oh, yeah. Why did they do that? Were they scared of recrimination? Were they scared to be able to do that? And what sort of culture, going back to the values yeah. and everything, is, is that looking at? So the fact that you have all, you know, both of you have got associated weaknesses that have been raised and ticked, um, I think that's, that's very healthy. You've got very, I'd say, healthy reports. And the words that people use, encouraging of others, helpful, reliable, these are all good stuff. <laughs> And now, Sean, yours, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have the same. You have the same. Um, but yours are a bit more competitive. You're a bit more competitive and inquisitive. That's so strange, Joe. <laughs> How could that be? 
Um, the, 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 sport, the sports teacher obsessed with competition is competitive. Um, and actually, Sean and I play out quite a competitive role against each other as, yes. as colleagues. Um, I, I, yeah, I felt utterly implicated by the... Um, so there were, there were four people feeding back and four out of four people said that I was uh, reluctant to allocate work. And, uh, <laughs> but don't worry about that too much because could they could have both all given a double tick. That could have been eight. Mm. So don't worry too much. If it was eight, then you need to start. Well, what, I, what I found most interesting about it was I, I hadn't personally framed it as reluctance. Okay. As a deliberate act on my part. And just by putting it in that wording made me go like, yeah, no, I don't give away work at all. Uh, but I have to not give it away. Like that's imp- like, I, yeah. And this is like, well, actually that's behavior that, uh, that is potentially limiting of others, but it's potentially deliberate on my part that, that I'm framing as entirely out of my control that maybe I need to look at and mm. go by not giving work to other people. I am challenging them to do their jobs or limiting them to fulfill their requirements or their strengths. No, absolutely. I think that's a really interesting one. And what we've got there, reluctant to allocate work, is a allowable weakness of a completer finisher because the completer finisher is that detail, doesn't like anybody else because nobody's going to do as good a job as them. So they don't. But you don't have the corresponding strengths there. So this is something that's got nothing to do with team roles. And it is just the way that you like to work and I'll, I'll give you an example because I feel that I need to share back I feel that you know, I, I need to feel your pain a little <laughs> is um one of my most frequently um ticked word is that I'm very manipulative you know if you're looking at those list yeah. b words yeah and that is the um allowable weakness of a coordinator and people say oh that's not very good I say, well actually I'm going to reframe that because I don't manipulate for personal gain. Yeah. And so you have to start thinking about it. That's why I do manipulate things because things do need to happen in a certain way sometimes. But as long as I'm not doing it just to make myself look brilliant, that's absolutely fine. You yeah. know, so you have to think, why are they yeah. saying it? You need to think I, about I, it. I, yeah. I was going to say that, Joe. I think, you know, if we if you just go back to sports or, or any, just leadership in general, I guess, if people talk about great leaders, they always seem to say, they manage to get people to do something that they either didn't know they could do or that needed to be done, so to speak. So those great leaders that we can all kind of, you know, reel off, um, you know, whether it be a football manager or a politician or, or whatever, even Car- whatever it may Cara, be. who was a guest on the podcast a few weeks ago, talking about how you get them to come up with the idea, believing it's their own idea when it's what you wanted them to do all along. Exactly. That's yeah. very manipulative yep. in a sense, but it's that positive manipulation almost. Yes. I don't know, maybe I'm spinning it too much now. <laughs> no, I don't think you are. I think, but then again, a colleague of mine did say it depends whether or not you're being the, being manipulated or whether or not you are the manipulator. It mm. does depend um, on true. that and how yeah, you spin very it. True. But I think this has all got a lot to do. Um, I didn't go back to football, which I should have done because I wrote some quick points down. Is that with football, I think the key thing you have is you have a really strong common objective, don't you? You know why the team is put together. I mean, it's, it's, it's yes. a no-brainer. Very often in organisations, people don't really know what it is that they're there to achieve. So I think sometimes teamwork yes. in sport is a lot... Is it easier? It's a lot more definitive. You know where you stand. Right, we want to win this game. That's the objective. Yeah, definitely. 
definitely. The goal is a literal yeah, goal. Exactly. <laughs> and we have these 11 spaces here and we want to put the best person in each of these particular roles to be able for the, the team to, to win, to, to succeed. Um, like I said, I'm going back now because I haven't followed football for a while, but why you would not put David Beckham into a goalkeeping slot. Why would you do that? You wouldn't. He's too good looking. You don't want it oh, to hit his lovely, face. Isn't he? I follow him on Instagram. <laughs> anyway, um, on to other things. Um, but you wouldn't want to. But sometimes what you do find is some managers, when it's a friendly, they will play people out of position. And it's for them to see how, how does that work for them, actually, because you also don't want to typecast. There could be two or three yeah. positions people could play in quite easily, but you need to find that, you need to develop that. And that's why friendlies are usually quite good because the risk is lowered. Whether or not you Definitely. win it sometimes isn't the objective. It's to play around a bit. It's to get a feel for other things that you could have. And to see the in. impact that that has on the, the, the yes. strengths and weaknesses of the rest of the team. Yeah, does it change the dynamics, yeah. you know? Is it as from No, yeah. If, from a, from if, if you look at it from an academy point of view, so, you know, the, these factories that are there to kind of produce these these amazing players of the future, a lot of the time they will play them in different positions throughout that kind of, you know, football journey until yes. they reach that 16 to 18 slot when they get signed. You know, there's there's a lot. If we take um, someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's a very, a very big player at the moment, young player, plays for Liverpool. He started off kind of in centre midfield but now is one of the best right backs in the world. So, you know, that someone saw a different angle for him. Um, you know, so definitely that makes a lot of sense. Joe, I was going to say, so if we take the assessments, can they be used to identify what types of industries maybe we, we may be best suited to, first and foremost? And then secondly, do you see interviewees, um, sorry, interv interviewers, um, employers, are they looking at these kind of things in these nine team roles in someone? And, and I, are they asking questions to identify those team roles in interviews? Do you know? Because I've said this a couple of times, but I think recruitment is so important because if you're going into an environment where people need to have an objective or values or you want them to or behaviors, it's very hard to do it once they're in the building. And sometimes it's better if you have that person who you know is going to suit the environment you know, before you've kind of signed the dotted line, so to speak. Yeah, no, that's that's really crucial, actually. We um we have just as I said, we have distributors all around the world, so we have databases of just a shed load of data, and we sent all that data to our statisticians, and we said, is there any difference between the team or distributions between countries? Because everybody asks, everybody says, well, surely it's slightly different if you're in Germany or if you're in yeah. China or if you're in the States. And they sent back, they said, well, there's a, you know, a little bit of difference, but actually we're finding there's more variance within a country than between countries. Okay. So what does that mean? You say what sort of industries would be best is that actually the team oil distribution within an oil company can really widely differ from, say, within the NHS. So okay. if you have a particular team role, um, what did you say earlier, which I actually wrote down because I thought it was lovely? Landscape. See, I'm a resource investigator. I've just stolen that from you, Mark. I wrote it down. Um, <laughs> so if you have that particular landscape, then your behaviours are going to say, actually, you're far more suited towards this kind of industry yeah. than the other. So within the NHS, we see really high teamwork of people who care and have empathy and also very high implementer, people who like procedure and process. If you put them in each other's environment, they're not going to necessarily fit so well. 
and it's going to be awkward so you can get a feel for the company that you're looking to perhaps work in and go what kind of culture do I think that is what kind of and would I fit now the really brave companies are the ones that say no you're going to fit terribly but we want you because you don't fit but that doesn't yeah. tend to happen because there's frequently. a gap there's a gap that yeah. we yeah. recognize we're hiring to fill yeah. from a cultural point of view rather than from a labor point of view <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah and so what we find a lot of times is when people are interviewing if they got a feel for those team roles that they want now you may have completed a questionnaire before you go in and they'll have it in front of you, but it will only be based on how you see yourself because nobody's going to ask for feedback if they're going for a job interview. Oh, why do you want this then? Oh, no reason. You know, um, it's difficult to get exactly. that. So what people tend to do is say, right, okay, you see yourself as being a really high monitor evaluator, somebody who is able to take the emotion out of the decision-making process, weigh up the pros and cons and come up with the right answer. And they go, yes, 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 that's what I am, yes, yes. Can you give me an example of when that happened? Can you back that up? Yeah. So what it tends to do is it allows the interviewer to really hone in on what are those behaviours and to try and validate them through that sort of questioning and, the, and that discussion. Yeah, because we are going to, yeah, we're putting our we're putting our best foot forward and we're phoning our mate to say, I've asked if you could give me a reference. Yeah, uh, but quietly, yeah. don't tell anybody. <laughs> and. Shh. Uh, yeah and backing it up again going back to that idea that these are not these are not based on anything other than what you did like the way you would tell me you were a monitor evaluator is not by understanding the words on the page but by listing the things that you did and so absolutely support support your state show you're working (laughs) and also you know if they actually did say that and the person yeah right okay so this is what i did i did this you go well you've already negated the fact that you're a strong monitor evaluator because you haven't thought about your response at all um where you said the monitor evaluator just think can i have a few moments to think about that please certainly you know so you'd expect certain behaviors to come across like that in in an interview um joe do you think there's more that can be done though from the recruitment side of things in terms of the questions that are being asked because I mentioned before um, I think I I read uh, uh, The Ideal Team Player I forgot the author now but there's a book called The Ideal Team Player and it talks a lot about how the the person it's it's a made-up story but the person in the book you know doesn't sit behind a desk and do an interview they take them out into the real world and have a conversation with that person and see them in their daily lives and they were looking for smart uh, hungry humble people to come into their into their environment so you know the way they went about that recruitment was different to let me see your cv and let me ask you some basic 10 questions that we ask everyone if that Mm. makes sense what we do here actually which i think is brilliant obviously i'd say that is um you're being recruited (laughs) to work with other people you're being recruited to work within a team so why not ask the team to be part of the interview process So we have a really horrible um, process here is that you're not just interviewed by one person. You have the whole blinking team in. Um, As an enormous panel? No, one by one. And everybody has a conversation. Everybody talks. Everybody chats. And it's amazing that you then all sit down together and sort of have a debrief as everybody will bring something different. And ultimately ultimately the implementer picks who you hire. (laughs) No, ultimately I do. Um, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's what happens, isn't it, Normally, It's like, oh, this is very interesting, but it's my call. Um, isn't yeah. that always what happens? But no, we do, we, we have to listen, because if you've asked people, and 
we ought to do more of that I would say in an interview process and say well hang on they're fitting within a team what is the hole they need to fill within the team and what does the rest of the team say obviously we have to we're a team company for crying out loud if we didn't do that then um Eat eat your own dog food, as as Silicon Valley would say. Um, (laughs) We could we could absolutely talk about this for days. Um, And in lockdown, sometimes it feels like we've got that available. But we have spoken for absolutely ages, and I uh, and I'm so grateful for you coming on, Joe. This has been both personally enlightening, but also um, I hope people are able to see how it might be a, a way that they can apply some of this thinking to their own um, to their own practice. We have a couple of questions that we ask everyone at the end of the podcast, if you wouldn't mind uh, answering uh, or having having a think about. The first that, that we ask uh, is Sean and I always say, coaches make coaches, that we teach in the way that we learned and the, the there are people whose inspirational coaching or inspirational teaching makes us the team leaders and the team runners that we are is there a person or a practice in your development of of coming to where you are now that that has informed your team building or team running oh there's so many isn't there i suppose the nature of what i do as well is that i read so much and try and learn so much because none of us have the answers do we mm. we're, we're on this constant um treadmill of learning but hopefully getting somewhere that was a really bad analogy um <laughs> i quite like that <laughs> yeah, we're all writing things down um i can't remember who the person was but it was all about authenticity so my sort of learning how I have been coached. I had somebody who coached and I felt that really hard because I felt that I was having to be something that I wasn't. Yeah. And actually I had a conversation, I think it was with um, Meredith Belbin, he's 94, by the way, <laughs> and he's still incredible. And it was like, why are you trying to be something that you think you should be? We want you to be you. You just need to have the confidence to be you to be able to do what you're doing. And I think with teams as well, sometimes teams are oh, we're a bit scared. We don't. No, no, no. You're put together for a reason. It's having that self-confidence and being authentic. Yeah. Um, which I think is really important. So I don't know if that really answers your question. But oh no, absolutely. That's sort of what's and is, and struck. Is, yeah, it's something that has come up before. The sense of like we're we're in the position that we're in to be ourselves and to let that be the contribution we make um the second question we ask which is much more commercial is uh we say is there anything you would like to plug but like if i'm an organization and i want to like i've listened to this and i want to get on board with it uh and radically transform my company (laughs) Um, let's start at the top yeah let's just go for it absolutely yeah yeah go for it we're we're blowing it up and starting from scratch um (laughs) Like how how would I, how would I go about that? Just contact us. Um, just contact us at team at belbin.com, Joe at belbin.com. If you're on LinkedIn, it's Joe Keeler or it's Belbin Team Roles. Um, we're a really friendly team actually, and we'd love, as you can tell, we love mm. chatting and talking and finding out what people are are up to. Um, so yeah, it, it's a really informal get in touch. If anybody would like to try the Belbin, the reports that you've both got as well. Yeah. What, what's the, what's the official name of your podcast? Uh, there's no I in podcast. That's really long, isn't it? Yeah. 
Um, we shorten um, it to No I Podcast. Okay, No I Podcast, yeah. all lowercase. Yeah. No spaces. Yeah. yeah. And I'll put a twenty-five percent discount code um, working for you if anybody wanted to do a test just for themselves. Amazing. Amazing. So, Amazing. I'll, I'll stick. Just check I'll up stick, that I've um, done that though. Can just check up because I might forget. Lovely. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> so I will. Uh, we'll stick. We'll stick links to to that and the uh, the discount code No I Podcast. Uh, in the show notes uh joe thank you so much uh this has been phenomenal another another hugely exciting conversation about teams from teams experts thank you so much joe your your shaper energy has been uh, fantastic <laughs> on this wednesday afternoon so thanks no, so it's much been an absolute pleasure and actually i should have mentioned at the beginning my team roles are also very high resource investigator shaper coordinator this was never going to be a quiet affair it was never going to be short um <laughs> it is what i'm afraid what it turned out to be but thank you so much it's been it's been a yeah a great way of spending an afternoon in the office Brilliant. lovely thank you so there you have it sean do you understand yourself better no, it's massively confused me and everything I thought to be true is false. Um, no, 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 there was there was definitely some things in there that rang true, um, especially the Del Boy comparison, um, you know, stealing people's <laughs> ideas for your own. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that I know, I think I mentioned before in, in one of our earlier episodes that I do tend to find people I know are good at something and try to bring those people together where I'm not good at that thing. Um, and I think I've got a keen eye for talent, which is is in one of the team roles. So, um, you know, that's why that's why I wanted to, uh, you know, link up with you on this podcast, Mark, because, you know, I've got a good eye yeah, for talent. But I think like and that's that's the thing that I encountered as well. It's like I don't do that. Like I have the capacity for it. But like that feeling of needing to be good at every part of the process. Yeah. Like is a limitation. And it got called out by by the people who gave the feedback you know they noticed it uh and and i think that's kind of given me a a nudge or a perspective to change a little bit how i how i consider what it is that i need to be doing and how i can share out not in the podcast obviously we've got a perfect balance um but you know in 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 the other teams that i work in yeah, I mean, 100%. But I mean, even from me, I, I don't necessarily just see me being a talent spotter and finding people that can kind of work together or, or have things that they can bring to the table. It's not it's not all positive because no. that, that also means I lean on people for their expertise. And sometimes that can be time sensitive. So I may want to do something, but I may need someone's time because they're the person who's the expert in that, but they may not be able to give me that time there and then, you know? So I think there is something in being self-sufficient and I think you're very good at being self-sufficient because if you don't know something, you're the type of person that will go and Google it, go and look into it, figure it out and then be able to do it. Whereas I may sit there and go, well, I'm not the expert in this. So I'll just have to wait for that expert <laughs> to pop up. So and do you know what neither of us are, Sean? Specialists specialist did yeah. not feature highly on mine that yeah. drill down person yeah the podcast I'm expert i'm currently revising all of my cv as we speak because uh yeah <laughs> there's some <laughs> there's some that, untruths really on application there application for this actually like if you're going to 
like craft your CV to and, and apply for the jobs you want to be doing or that will end up being fun for you. This is a really solid tool for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't want us to sound like recruiters right now, but I mean, 100% when you look at the way they phrase things in terms of what you your strengths and weaknesses are on this on this report. Um, it's stuff that can almost be transferred straight into a CV because it says yeah. exactly what you are within that team, which sometimes we struggle to kind of um, formulate or to put down on paper. It can be a really difficult process yeah, trying to put your CV together. Straight up opening paragraph stuff, isn't it? 100%. Yeah. yeah. I am a mature, confident... Uh, this is the coordinator one. This, is, this, is, this was you, right? I think so, yeah. It, it was up there. I am a mature and confident person who prides themselves on being able to identify talent. I feel confident when I have a clear goal and I delegate effectively within a team. There we go. You know, there we go. So, um, so there However, it is. However, you can be seen as CV. manipulative. <laughs> yeah, but we just leave that bit out of the CV, don't we? You know, P- positives only. <laughs> so that, that I found, uh, like, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a laugh for us too and how we were examining our yeah. dynamic with it but i can see that being a super useful tool if you have a formal team and if your team does feel like it's not running at like 100% efficiency having a look at do we have everyone we need how's our how's our mix feels like a really really valuable tool whether that's formally through Belbin or not, like just sit down and go, go, what's, who have we got in the room? Yeah, I mean, I think you said maybe at the very start of the, of the interview, just about having people at the start and then maybe the same people at the end or, you know, having the people there at the right time in the room. And Joe kind of uh, eloquently kind of described that kind of situation where, you may want a plant, for instance, which, you know, our listeners will now know what that is. Um, you may want a plant at the beginning, but you may not want that plant anywhere near the kind of nitty gritty midpoint of that project or towards the end of that project. And, you know, someone within that team may ask that plant to go off to another project and be that really creative person and ideas guy yeah. or girl to kind of get that going on another project. And I thought that was so I love important. that idea of floating project yeah. projects. Doing, yeah. doing what you do well in a whole bunch of different contexts. Sounds like fun. Yeah, but it will also make you a lot happier in your job and in your role because hopefully your strengths will be maximised within that team opposed to your weaknesses being the thing that you're having to maybe work on or that's holding you back. You know, strengthen so your can I put strengths. You, can I put you on the spot, Sean? Yes. Are you going to send your report to your line manager? Am I going to? Uh, yes, I will do. It's the path to happiness. <laughs> I, I will. Uh, I will do. So that, yeah. So that was Joe, and that is Belbin. Uh, it's been around like it is part of the vocabulary of teams now. It's been around so long that, like, we understand it in a way that makes it makes us forget how radical it probably was when it kicked off. Um, if you want to take the assessment that Sean and I took, uh, go to belbin.com. It's the it's the team role assessment. And Joe, as she mentioned, uh, will give a discount of 25% for people who use the code 
no i podcast all one word lowercase uh go there it's fascinating especially the getting feedback from your uh, mates uh, sorry, co-workers and colleagues, don't just go for your mates. It's a really lovely feeling, but maybe it doesn't give you a perspective on your work. I can recommend it. It's It was it was very enlightening. Well, yeah, um, uh, a million percent. I, I really enjoyed the process and, you know, getting that observer assessment back, which then kind of molds together with your self-perception into one uh, total kind of report, I think is a good kind of balanced way of looking at your current role uh and it is it reordered mine it put mine in a different order how i view myself and how other people view me were not the same at all exactly and i think if you are a person that's trying to you know continually try to improve yourself whether it be inside of work or outside of work then i think it's always good to kind of internalize things and and to think about where you can improve but also what your strengths are which is a big part of this because once you figure out what you're good at which i think i've said many times on the podcast when you know what you're good at you tend to be happier within your role because or in your career because you're doing something that you enjoy and therefore usually you're good at it um so yeah i'd really recommend the the belvin assessment um so go out there guys use that code and uh and see what kind of a team member you are <laughs> uh yeah so that's all that we're going to do for this week uh super fun episode i hope you guys enjoyed it uh, sean and i are going to go have an away day social distance away day where we formulate which members of the the team roles do we need to recruit uh, expect uh, job adverts in reputable podcasting newspapers <laughs> by the end of the week um, I, I feel like you're firing me mark <laughs> but then the podcast would stop happening as we learned <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah have a great week everyone uh, all the links to joe's stuff will be in the show notes if you want to get in touch with us you can uh, reach us on twitter at no i podcast instagram at no i podcast email us sean or mark at noipodcast.show or leave us a voice note on anchor and i'm so so looking forward to our first review on itunes if you listen to us on apple chuck a review in and let us know what you think so all that's left is for uh me to wish everyone goodbye from sean the shaper goodbye guys <laughs> and from me the plant goodbye Must be like the wolf pack. Teamwork. Yes.